This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's been reinvented. This isn't your old pregame podcast. Well, we didn't do it that long, but this is a new version of it. A lot of people will be joining us today on the pregame podcast. And remember, listen to this in the parking lot. Even if you're listening at home, crank this up in the parking lot. Let people know that you're listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast. And we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company in Manhattan. Kansas State opens a new era of Wildcat football under Chris Kleiman as the 2019 season kicks off with K-State playing host to Nichols at 6 p.m. on Saturday inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The contest will be shown on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and can be heard across the 39 station K-State Sports Network with Wyatt Thompson on play-by-play, former K-State quarterback Stan Weber serving as analyst, and our buddy Matt Walters handling sideline duties, as well as hosting the pre- and post-game shows on the network. And make sure you get to GoPowerCat.com on Saturday night, late after the game, New football analyst Brian Hanley. He played offensive line on those great 97 and 98 teams with Michael Bishop and company. Joins us as our new post-game analyst. And Brian will join us a little bit later. He will also be on the pregame show, but it will be exclusively Brian and I after every K-State football game this season. That is the Powercat post-game podcast brought to you by Caddyshack Golf. And it will happen as soon as we can get it together after the Cats and the Colonels play on Saturday night. But this is the PowerCat pregame podcast, and we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Podcast. We've got a lot of things cooking for you today, but we're going to jump right into our roundtable session. And as they have been for the past few years, D. Scott Fritchen and Riley Gates are back with us. And we kicked Marcus Watts off and invited in Ryan Wallace, who joins us via the hotline. We don't really have a name for it. I haven't named it yet. Wally, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm fine with the hotline. That sounds good. I mean, we probably should call it the WTC Fiber Hotline. Give them a little extra love since that's how we do a lot of stuff around here. I am intrigued by this. We all knew what to expect 
at least in Snyder 2.0, when they played games like this, very conservative, very boring, and maybe very close. Chris Kleiman knows about that because he won one of those close games at North Dakota State when he was defensive coordinator. Ryan Wallace, let's just start with you. Do you have any clue what we're going to see with this Chris Kleiman era? Well, I think, you know, offensively and defensively from a schematic standpoint, you know, I think we have an idea of what these these coaches would like to do um, based on their history at North Dakota State um, and Scotty Hazleton's at Wyoming and North Dakota State prior to. But uh, I think when it comes down to playing Nickel State, I think having that familiarity of the fact that this is an FCS program that has scared FBS teams in the past, or if you're the Kansas Jayhawks, has beaten an FBS team, <laughs> Power 5, in the past, I think that they know that they they can't really hold back um, too much. And really, even if it wasn't a team like Nickel State, even if it was someone that we deemed even more inferior than Nickel State, I just don't think with uh, having a new staff and having all these kids that are trying to learn all these new things, they don't have time to – you know, take a game off to break in the scheme. I think they got to come out and, and kind of throw all the cards on the table and see who can really figure out what they want to do moving forward. And they don't have a lot of time between now and Mississippi State. No, they don't. And D. Sky Fritchin, if you're Chris Kleiman, being the guy who slayed the Dragons so many times at North Dakota State, you don't want to become the Dragon and get knifed on your first game out against an FCS team. I just don't see any way he's conservative in this game. No, I don't either, Fitz. I, I think that he comes out with a solid game plan, moves the ball around, gets guys comfortable. I think it's, that's going to be so key for this team for this first game of the climbing era because so, there's so much buildup with it, and the players are so excited right now. Um, I know Kleiman was excited in his, in his news conference, just the way he was answering questions. I think it's going to be so important for them to get the butterflies out early, um, try to look as crisp as possible, be able to make some plays, get the get the ball downfield. I don't think we can overemphasize enough how important it is to have a coach like Chris Kleiman and also, you know, Courtney Messingham, Connor Riley, all these guys that have seen it before, they've been there. They know that Nichols State isn't coming in here saying, oh, well, you know, I hope we just put up a fight. They know that Nick, you know they're coming in here saying we're going to win. We can do this, and I, I think that that's really beneficial for K State to have that experience of guys being on that side of the ball and knowing that it's not going to be just a, a lay down and walk over the mat type of thing. But Nichols is a good team. I mean, like you mentioned, Wally, this is this is not a team that honestly, like South Dakota last year. We said they were a good team at this juncture of the season, and it turned out they really weren't that good, and K-State probably should not have won that game. As Chris Kleiman says, there are good players everywhere, and everyone's getting them now, and you're at peril anytime you step on the field. Well, Nickel State, I mean, this is a school, this is a program that's picked to dominate the Southland Conference. They went 9-4 and four last year. Um, and they've got a majority of their defense back. I think six starters return um, for this squad, you know, including the leading tackler and the leading tackler for loss at Sackman with Sully Letch. Um, and then you look at Chase Forcade, their quarterback. You know, he's a guy that he's been to the Manning Passing Academy every summer, so he can obviously sling it around. They've got guys, but more than anything, it goes back to what you guys were just talking about in the sense that this is a team and a program that's used to being in these type of scenarios where they're close with power five teams, 
It's a senior-laden team that has not only knocked off Kansas, they've come very close to beating Georgia and Texas A&M before. You know, coming in and, and all the excitement around Chris Kleiman and K-State is not going to face these guys at all. I'll get to Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas later in the show, and we'll talk about the spread. But, guys, this people are talking about a 23-and-a-half-point favorite Kansas State. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What? What do we have to go on here with a Kansas State program under a new coach and Nickel State being good? I don't get it, Riley, at all. That seems very high, um, especially considering that K-State, A, struggled with an FCS opponent last year, and it's a lot of the same team, considering that they've lost to one um, in this stadium before with lots of excitement going around. You remember that was the West Stadium uh, center dedication day back there when North Dakota State came in here and won. Wah, wah. So, I, no, I don't think K-State should be, I don't think it should be a single point, you know, four, oh, four and a half points or anything like that. Or, But I, I am shocked by how many people think this is just going to be a lay it down and, and uh, K-State's just going to walk all over them. I, I don't think they'll struggle necessarily throughout four quarters, but I don't think it's going to do, uh, be smooth sailing from the start. Let's back up here, D. Scott. Before we even get to the game, the, everything's going to be new. They're reinventing in some ways. I mean, the wall bash will still be there, but <laughs> um, if you get rid of that, you might have and some. And the Wildcat March. Don't forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> might have some splaining to do if you get rid of the wall bash. But uh, everything else about this atmosphere, I'm told, is going to be somewhat reinvented as now they can kind of do their thing with Chris Kleiman, who has said, do your thing. I'm not going to worry about that too much. I saw a clip last night on YouTube of the North Dakota State introduction, and he's right. He does run onto the field with those players, and that's pretty amazing to see. And it, it's very uh, – the atmosphere is just electric. Um, I, I think K-State fans are going to be in for a treat. I, I think what uh, what most intrigues me, what I'm most – excited about is the fact that he is going to have a former K-State player uh, apparently kind of open up the gate. So a former K-State player, um, you know, uh, Wyatt Hubert speculated it could be maybe a Mark Semino or Jordy Nelson is going to be there and open up the gate to the Chris Kleiman era. I don't think that's going to be lost on K-State fans because the act of tying the old into the new I think it's a pretty magical thing. I'm telling you what, if if it turns out to be Marcus Watts, we're going to be disappointed. <laughs> the fans may like it, but boy, we're going to go, oh, we see him all the time. You would have thought we could have gotten the scoop on that one yeah, if it was Marcus. No, he's a bad source. <laughs> Ryan Wallace, I'm going to be most intrigued. There's a lot of things that I am intrigued with this first game, but I'm curious to see this running back rotation. And will Joe Irvin play? And how many snaps will he play? Because he's fourth on the depth chart, but... We won't be shocked if we see four running backs get carries in this game, will we? No, not at all. And it's it's interesting you bring that up because I do think it's going to be kind of a defensive battle um, between both both teams. I just feel like from a defensive standpoint, that's where both teams seem to be um, the strongest right now. I do think K-State's offensive line is going to be kind of the barometer of, of this team moving down the season. You know, however good this K-State offensive line can be is how good those K-State running backs can be. And I think in this game in particular with Nickel State, you know, this offense has to stay on the field. And therefore, you know, that means the offensive line has to win their reps in the trenches. And that means that they've got to keep guys fresh. So, Fitz, I think we could, we'll definitely see three 
Um, and I'll be curious to see if they do dive as deep as Joe Irvin, who we presume to be number four on the depth chart. Um, I, I think I think they have to. You know, I, I think that's the way that you're going to slow down Nickel State, um, both on offense and on defense. Is you got to keep their offense, uh, your offense, on the field, their offense off of it. And I think that that comes with a heavy dose of James Gilbert, a heavy dose of Jordan Brown, and then probably looking at guys like Harry Trotter and Joe Irvin to you know supplement in uh, and get some carries as well. He's right. He's got this starts with this offensive line. I mean, they want to be a physical football team, which Bill Snyder emphasized. But it also seemed like the past few years it took the line a little while to get going in the season. And maybe it was because the game plan was so generic. But I get the sense here if this offensive line doesn't come out firing and dominating, Connor Riley, the new offensive line coach, might go onto the field and start whooping some (laughs) you-know-what. They have to get this done, don't they? Yes, um, I, I think they are rejuvenated, if that, that could be the word. Last year, I think they took some things for granted, especially earlier in the season. Uh, you know, Dalton Reiser had spoken about that. This this senior group coming back has 36 starts, 33 starts, and 32 starts. Um, they're going to be the anchors of this thing. Uh, talking with uh, Adam Holtorf at uh, Media Availability, um, they've just focused on the fundamentals. That's, that's so huge with Connor Riley and... Connor Riley appears to have these guys playing at a really high level yeah. already. Um, they seem pretty comfortable with everything. They've been focusing on fundamentals and techniques. I'm excited to see what they can do. We mentioned this the other day about how we feel like they've already just changed physically. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, we know Connor Riley wanted a. I don't want to use the word skinnier, but you know, maybe a lean. little. More yeah, lean. yeah, more yeah. lean, more uh, a little bit quicker moving on that offensive line and. I, you know, I personally thought he might be able to get a few guys there this year, but it was probably going to be a year-long process to really try to get people, you know, the right guys in, get them to where he wants them to be. But it's starting to look like he has them where where he wants a, an ideal offensive lineman to be. We really saw that kind of out of Evan Curl when he came in. Um, I thought Adam Holtorf looked a little bit different as well. And if he's truly gotten them to the point where he wants them, it, I think that could mean really good things for this line. There were a few mild surprises on that depth chart when it was released, but Wally, I I looked at Evan Curl as the epitome of getting a new life with a new coach. He was a guy that really wasn't even sniffing a depth chart in the Snyder regime under Charlie Dickey. And he got new life. He really seemed to get after it. He seemed to have really changed his body and work extremely hard. That was the story for me, Evan Curl as a starting guard. I think Evan definitely stood out um, knocking off a guy like Josh Rivas, who has all the talent in the world, played some significant snaps down the stretch last season, um, starting those last two games for K-State. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Here's Evan Curl, who kind of looked at this as a new opportunity for him, uh, came out you know, banging down doors and, and has really just pushed himself to the front of that depth chart. And whether he stays at the top or not, He's a guy, like Connor Riley has said, that, that's going to play some significant snaps this season no matter what. Noah Johnson's going to get in there. Christian Duffy's going to get in there. We may even see a guy like Ben Adler get thrown into the mix as well. Also, Fitz, I, I think it goes without saying that the camp that Kyle Ball had uh, must have just been absolutely tremendous because I know the staff didn't get to see him a ton this spring, but for him to supplant Reggie Walker um, or the Reggie Walker or Kyle Ball that goes to show just the type of improvement he's had coming into his senior year. 
Yeah, let's switch over to the defense. That was remarkable also on the defensive side because we felt very confident that it was Wyatt Hubert and Reggie Walker and Kyle Ball to come in to relieve them. And all of a sudden, Kyle Ball might be starting. We'll see what happens on Saturday. But that only emphasizes to me the great depth they have, not only at defensive end, at in Boom Massey. And they've talked about six different defensive tackles, which to me seems absurd. But again, this goes along with what we just said about the offensive line. If this team wants to be good, not just in this game, but over the season, the defensive line is going to have to lead the way. This team's going to have to be physical along the line of scrimmage and dominate. And that really holds true in this game. When you got an experienced quarterback, you got to get after him a little bit and maybe go knock him down once in a while, Riley. The line's got to be impactful from the get-go. Well, and especially considering how much we have talked about them, the coaches have talked about them, they've talked about themselves. They have high expectations, and you should when you have four seniors along the front line and, and then more added depth with the experience. Um, you know, you're talking about that Kyle Ball uh, and, and Reggie Walker battle, I think – it was a little bit of a combination of, of Reggie getting a little bit of an injury there in fall camp, but then also Kyle getting the opportunity to show what he can actually do um, since he was limited in, in the spring camp. And we, I, th- I think that Kyle Ball, we might have underestimated how he fits into the, the defensive system they want right. to run. I think they saw him right away from the start. They love him. And then obviously we haven't, you know, can never, can never say enough good things about the way that Wyatt Hubert looks right now, um, you know, physically and, and just kind of a new mental mindset. I think I'm really looking forward to seeing what these defensive tackles do as well, just because Trey Deshaun is up here, you know, that bar's pretty high, but a guy like Jordan Mitty's now more used to playing Big 12 football, playing at this level. Can he continue building upon the success he had last year in his first year at K State? Wyatt Hubert, D. Scott. Yeah. I've I've said a ton about him on podcasts. Mm-hmm. He's a different guy. He absolutely is. He he's a guy. He should have double digit sacks this year. I think. Um, you look at the defensive line as a whole. Last year, K State only had 18 sacks, which was its lowest in 10 years. I I think they're going to do a good job of of topping that mark this year. It's going to be led by Wyatt Hubert. I mean, everything you hear about him, he's just playing incredible in practice. Uh, Riley said it. He he looks the part physically. Um, I expect big things out of him. I'm going to list three guys here that I think these coaches were thankful they had when they arrived. There's a lot of guys they're happy they have, but three really jumped out. One is Skylar Thompson, of course, and we'll get to him in a little bit. Second was Wyatt Hubert, simply because he has become what could be a very good defensive end. He showed flashes of it, but now he's just so much bigger, so much more impressive, and they say he hasn't lost a step. But if anything, people say he's even quicker now. The third guy is a guy that we never quite could figure out what the previous staff was doing with him because they were having problems at safety. And Wayne Jones just wasn't getting an opportunity except for a few games here and there. And Chris Kleiman raves about him. He's running the back end of the defense already. Not Denzel Goolsby. Wayne Jones is running the back end of the defense because he's such a natural leader, such a big hitter, and a big player. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I think he and Denzel Goolsby form a really underrated duo on this defense that, you know, safety in general just is not getting talked about enough this, this preseason. And I think come Saturday, um, that that will change because I think Denzel Goolsby, obviously everybody knows what he brings to the table, and he's kind of been the quarterback of the defense at least over the last year or so. 
Um, but Wayne Jones is like a mini-me. I mean, they really have been pushing Wayne um, to really follow in Denzel's footsteps so that come 2020, it's Wayne Jones' defense. But like you said, Fitz, we might not wait until 2020. I mean, this might happen this year. Um, he's a very smart. He's capable of coming up into the box and supporting against the run. He'll lay some big hits, um, but he's also sound in coverage as well. He's the type of guy that Joe Klanderman, Van Malone, uh, Scotty Hazelton, you don't have to worry about about Wayne Jones because if everybody else is, is you know a little disjumbled, if everybody else is a little confused, you know Wayne Jones is the guy who's going to sort things out for this defense. And at corner, I'm I'm sorry with all due respect to Walter Neal and AJ Parker, Ryan. This is this is a pair of guys I worry about. They've got to prove to me. Uh, they can get this done, and maybe Nickel State or Nichols, as they want to be called, is an appropriate test for these these corners to see if they're ready for this new system. Yeah, you know, I think Walter Neal, you know, fits better as a corner than maybe a nickel. Yeah. I just think it allows him to do what he needs to do and 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 not have to cover so much of the field. Um, he's also a strong tackler at cornerback as well. But A.J. Parker's a guy that I'm with you, Fitz. I mean, it, this is kind of his year to really show that he can be a number one. He's been slowly groomed for that role. Um, he's had his ups and downs, but they, uh, the coaches have raved about the kind of offseason that he's had, that he's been one of the real strong suits at corner. There's been some other question marks there, but A.J.'s spot has been cemented from day one. Um, and then it'll be curious to see kind of how far they go down the depth chart because I know, you know, Kevion McGee is a guy I really like and how he closes on the ball and his instincts. Um, I'm also eager to see Lance Robinson move from the nickel that the Snyder staff was playing him at over to corner as well, similar to Walter Neal. And our final topic here at the round table is the obvious one. Riley Gates, Skylar Thompson. This is his team now. In some ways, it's his program for this season and probably next. There's a lot resting on his shoulders. He didn't respond well to the two-quarterback system but we think he's going to be okay with this? I think he's um, now obviously in a more comfortable system. I think he fits probably this offense a little bit better. He said that at times, that he really feels comfortable in this new system. But at the end of the day, it is a lot for Skyler. It is just about being the guy and and knowing that he has the, the full trust, the full confidence of his coaches. He can make a mistake and not have to worry about, oh, man, am I coming out of the game now? Um and you know you can you can say fight arguments that say hey that means he's not a competitor that means he doesn't like competition pushing him that's fine those are arguments at times but with a guy like Skyler I just think he's he's just wired different he knows when he has the job he, he plays a lot better um, and and he can play a lot more loose a lot more free and I think we're gonna see him thrive I hope we see him thrive in this system now with a backup off of his back because. At this point in his career, we just we need to see him take that next step. We need to see him become the guy we think he can be. D seems to be ready, doesn't he? He's a totally different guy. Yeah, he absolutely does. And what strikes me most about Chris Kleiman is the fact that he speaks glowingly just about how fast Skyler was able to adapt and um, and learn on the kind of on the run in the spring and also in the summer. Um, and coming in the fall camp, I mean, it seemed like uh, Skyler was on fire and. Now he en- he enters uh, game one, the chance to prove what he was able to learn. He spent some time with Easton Stick, who, by the way, was the winningest Division One quarterback of all time at North Dakota State. They spent some time this summer. Uh, he's learned the nuances of, 
of the offense. It'll be interesting to see how he is able to execute, especially in the first game. Ryan Wallace, he came out of high school in Independence, Missouri there, and it's just so full of promise. Everyone thought this was going to be the definitive K-State quarterback of the future. It has not worked out that way so far, but Fortune held something for him. He was going to get Chris Kleiman and the Courtney Messingham offense, which he was very comfortable with when they were recruiting him at North Dakota State, but he wanted to play at this level. Now he gets both of them. I feel like he fits this offense better than Bill Snyder's. Well, not only does he fit the offense better, I just think the way that they're grooming uh, Skyler has been the way that you would have hoped maybe uh, the, the Bill Snyder staff would have a little bit more. Obviously, he's very close with Colin Klein. Um, Colin was a, a key piece um, to recruiting him originally out of Fort Osage. But the bigger thing for me is the fact that they're taking time with Skyler to reinforce the fact that they're confident in him and therefore he should be confident in himself to be a leader in this offense. It's been hard for Skyler constantly looking over his shoulder for every possible bad throw or, you know, anything that the defense has been able to maybe step in and throw him off his game. Um, he's constantly had, you know, that big shadow looming over him of, am I going to get pulled or not? They've really reinforced the fact that this is Skyler's offense and they have full faith in him and his abilities. I think that's going to be the biggest difference for Skyler Thompson this year. Now, the most important topic of everything when we talk about Saturday night's game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Ryan Wallace, how excited are you to see the new entry of the team, the whole new fanfare bringing them on? I'm one for flair, um, so <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, you know, I, I grew to love, you know, the Bill Snyder playlist and, and everything that was, you know, the K-State football um, pageantry that, that we've come to love. Um but it, it's been long overdue for just kind of a, a kick in the pants a little bit, you know, a light the fires. I, I think that the fans are going to be really excited. I don't know what's in store, but I just have this gut feeling um, that Chris Kleiman knows how to really amp up the electricity for, for a game. I wish I could be there. I, I just think the hair on everybody's arms is going to stand up when that music hits and, and the K-State team takes that tunnel. I agree. I think it's going to be fun and, we can joke all we want about Ron Prince, but he did entering the field better than Bill Snyder. That was it, but he did that better uh, with the smoke and everything. Uh, it turned out his whole program was lost in smoke, so let's hope that doesn't happen. Chris Kleiman kicks off, as we said, at 6 p.m. Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, K-State, and Nichols. And it'll be very fun to see the team, the coaches, and the whole fanfare of the program. Guys, thanks for joining us on our first roundtable of the season. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Joining you once again, it's Tim Fitzgerald and Go PowerCat football analyst Marcus Watts. 
Welcome back to the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we are joined by the man. He's on the wall of fame here in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. With his headgear back, his black stickers under his eyes because it was so bright in that night game. <laughs> his <laughs> plays right. on his arm and his heart on his sleeve. Marcus Watts, welcome. You're off the roundtable. We fired you from the roundtable as we reformat this thing. But this is going to be better. Yeah, it's just it, you and me. We don't have Riley around. Yeah, I don't. Have, I don't have anybody to pick on. I can pick on you. <laughs> you can pick on me. No, it's it's good because I'm so busy now. I know with my job that it makes it easier because I don't have to do as much. A lot of the weeks we'll have you on the WTC Fiber Hotline as we'll bring you in via phone. But today you're actually here in person, I think. I, I, I see you. I think that means you're in person. <laughs> it's been a long day. Maybe you're not. Well, this is going to be interesting, partner. You've gone through this. You have that interesting perspective of being a player that was on a team that transitioned from Coach Snyder to someone different and had to ramp up with new systems and play a first game. How difficult is it? It, it, it is difficult because you don't know what to expect. You know, the in-game coaching, um, you don't know what to expect from the coaches on a game day. Right. Um, you don't know how it, what you're, what you've put in over, you know, spring ball, two days, is it going to translate to your team in an actual game? Uh, and so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's different, you know, but coach Kleiman, from everything that I've seen, I've, you know, I've been up there, um, went to a practice here recently. It seems to be going well. The, the players seem to be responding well to them. Um, they seem to be able responding to the coaches and what they're trying to do with the team. So, you know, I'm excited to see what happens Saturday. You survived the Ron Prince error, not era, error. Accurate. It d- didn't quite work, and coach came back for Snyder 2.0, and that was good for a while. Another Big 12 championship. Much more, in some ways, much more surprising than the first one. And then it kind of dwindled. Some people, if you're an outsider, look at this and say only Bill Snyder has been successful at Kansas State. That's the only way it could be done at Kansas State. And that might have been true at one point. But now everything's changed. The facilities are as good as anyone in the country. The tradition's in place. Winning is expected in the culture. This can happen again with someone else, can it? It can. I mean, shoot, K-State was lucky to have 20-some-plus years of success for Bill Snyder. So, yeah, that's why people say that, you know, because they weren't winning. It's all I mean, they know. They won back in the day. You know, they were decent at times back in the day. They just didn't have the continued success right. as Coach Snyder did. Um, so can it can it be built off of? Yeah, because everything's there. The facilities are there. The fans are there. The support's there. So they have everything that Coach Snyder didn't have when he first came here. So it's there. It's just now – you got to get the players consistently. You got to, you know, bring in a coach that will be able to to coach up players because you're always not going to get the four or five, even three star recruits. You know, you're going to have to coach up the walk ons uh, from the surrounding small towns in Kansas, like Coach Schneider did. And I think climbing can do that. I mean, being up at North Dakota State, yeah, they would get the pick of whatever they wanted at that level, at the FCS level. You know, they got a lot of players that they they really went after, but 
it's kind of the same atmosphere. It's like the town's bought right. in. You know, they had the facilities. They had a successful program before, and he just continued that success. So this first year is a wash for me. Like, it doesn't matter what happens this first year. Like, if they win four games, they win four games. If they win five, I'll be happy. You know, I, I don't expect them to roll off nine wins or ten wins. But if it happens, I'll be ecstatic. I'll be jumping over the moon. So I don't look at this first year year as much. You know, it's right. to, to kind of gauge where the team's at, the depth, how the players are, how the coaches are going to react. Because we can go back to Coach Prince's first year. Everything was great. You know, went we to a bowl went, game. Went back to a bowl game. Um, you know, we we didn't have a great record. We were seven and five, I think, or six and five, one of those two. Um, and but we made a bowl game, and things we thought things were going to continue. And then, obviously, he lost some assistant coaches that were key to that. Um, and then everything else <laughs> that went on top of Ron Prince after that first year brought the program way back down. Yeah, and it was primed for a big collapse. The record didn't quite reflect as bad as the program was getting, and it was primed for a, a steep decline under Ron. And I feel like it was – people don't fully grasp how bad the program had dwindled to under Coach Snyder just simply because they didn't have the depth. The recruiting had dropped off even from levels that weren't impressive to start with. And Kleiman inherits a depleted roster. There's some really good players on this team. There's some really promising young players. I don't want to say the previous staff just didn't recruit – because you can look around this roster and see a guy like Wayne Jones at safety. He might be the next great safety to come through this program. Someone that would be on a wall like we have here in the studio of some of the great players. So I don't want to say there was no one, but there wasn't another layer of players. You just kind of run run out of talent, and that's what they've inherited. And so my biggest concern with this team isn't preparation, isn't schemes, isn't coaching, it's depth, and it was going to be depth with Coach Snyder. Injuries are going to be the worst thing to visit this team, won't it? Yeah, it will. I mean, that would be a huge loss because then you're going to be playing guys that have no experience that, you know, maybe not up to the level to be able to play, and then you're going to, then you're going to scheme to hide them, and you're going to right. scheme to protect them. And so then you're kind of going to get away from what you really want to do. And, you know, they may have to do that at some positions – K-State started to throw to the running back a little more under Andre Coleman, but still the tight end was a non-factor. So they're going to throw to running backs, throw to tight ends. It's perfectly permissible, it turns out, to do that. That has to be a factor. If you're short on weapons, you have to stress a defense in another way. That means you can throw it or hand it off to a, a vast array of things. You have to be completely unpredictable at that point, and K-State had become... So predictable, unfortunately, as Snyder's tenure waned. Yeah, you'll see a lot of quick passes, I think. You know, one, it'll build Skyler's confidence up. It, it, they're easy passes. Um, you know, it, it gets the ball out of his hand quick. You'll see a lot of three-step drops, I think. You know, you'll see mm -hmm. some play action, five steps. Right. Um, but you're going to see a lot of under center stuff, I think. Which is great. Which is, Which in this game today is huge because – Coach Schneider was kind of at the forefront of with Michael Bishop, the quarterback run game, and all of that stuff before other teams were doing it. Now everybody's doing it. Now it's kind of going back a little bit. And, you know, we always talked about Coach Schneider going back, you know, because he wants to ground and pound, but he did it out of the shotgun. Well, it's a lot more difficult as a linebacker safety on the defensive side of the ball with a quarterback under center 
running a fake or a handoff deep, five yards deep, you know, because you have it's a longer time. And you can't see the ball sometimes. Yeah, you can't see the ball. So I think – and that will help Skyler out because it's going to suck the linebackers up a lot. Um, and then it gives him more lanes to throw the ball um, if the receivers can get open. So There's a guy on Twitter – the K State fan who does his, you know, collects all these videos and puts them up, and the, and it's really amazing. Uh, but I think it was last year that he put up Michael Bishop running the quarterback draw, but he was under center. He dropped back, had a play action, paused, took off. There was a cadence to what they were doing as he came out of center, so just standing back there like the quarterback did when you take a shotgun snap. The quarterback will run in this offense. Mm-hmm. It won't be a you know, a sledgehammer hammering away at the defense like it did with Colin Klein and thereafter. But the quarterback will run. But the emphasis here will be protecting the body of the quarterback instead of really using the quarterback as a fullback, which was an unfortunate development as the offense went along. And you, if you're getting injuries at quarterback – you're going to have problems, and K-State had problems. Yeah, it messes up the rhythm a lot. I mean, last year with Skyler and, and Alex, it was there were two different quarterbacks. One was more of an athletic running-type quarterback, and I'm not saying that Skyler wasn't, but you know, and the other one was more of a passing-type quarterback. So it messes up the rhythms of the offense, mes- messes up the rhythm of the receivers and the routes um, and timing with the quarterbacks. So I think it, you'll see Skyler run a lot less because there's nobody to back him up. I mean, there's a big drop-off between Skyler and the backups. Um, now, I'm not saying that Nick Ast and, and John Holcomb can, can't get the job done, but where Skyler's skill level is and what he was when he came out of high school, you know, he's, he's, he's a higher bar than those, those two are. So, You were a defensive guy. Uh, you had, you know, a couple defensive coordinators, a couple coaches. You played under Scott Frost when he was a grad assistant, but really running the secondary. You played under Raheem Morris, who went on to the NFL. It's still in the NFL, ironically, on offense, but head coach at Tampa Bay. You've seen a variety of coaches. Scotty Hazelton comes into this endeavor not being a little more in your face. He's not going to be Phil Bennett, where I'm just going to keep blitzing you until you go blind. He's going to be more aggressive than Tom Hayes. Is that a good thing? We sit here and say... Tom Hayes has been, but don't break, sucked. It was horrible to watch. And yet you look at the point totals, and K-State held down opponents to a point total surrendered that was attainable for an offense that wasn't high-powered. But is it time for a change and go back to a little more press coverage in your face? Let's get after the quarterback. If you have the guys to do it. Do they have the guys to do it? I, I don't know. It's. I mean, it's, it's too early to tell, I think. You know, could they have done it when they had Duke and DJ at the corners? Absolutely. Absolutely. They could have done it. I don't know what these corners, you know, we've seen a little bit of them, not a lot. Um, oh, AJ it, Parker wasn't ready for it last year, but they're raving about him yeah, this year. And he might be ready for it. And so they might be able to do some more things. And, you know, you can run man on one side and run quarters. You know, you, know, you can switch it up. And I know Scotty runs a little bit of cover too, which is a lot what I ran right. with Raheem. And and there's different versions of the there's the Tampa two then there's just the cover two, and so it'll be interesting to see how they employ that. And the cover two is almost like a bend but don't break. It's you you keep everything in front of you as the safeties, um, you know. So in the but you got to have good corners that can reroute the wide receivers, or it's just it's going to get destroyed. And with the pass happy offenses in the Big Twelve, 
I just I, it's hard to blitz a lot unless you got guys, men across the board that can man up and cover all over the field. And I just don't know if K State's there. I yet. agree. So I don't think they'll be. I think their blitzes won't be out of man as much. Maybe it'll be zone, zone. blitzes. Um, and if the pressure doesn't get there, it'll get destroyed. And so then they won't do it. So it, it's you know they'll test it a lot. And, and I think you'll see a little bit more of it and maybe a little more exotic blitzes. You might see the safety blitzes more. K-State didn't safety blitz hardly at all under um, no. Tom Hayes and, and over the past year. So you'll see some you'll see some different stuff, but the blitz has got to get there, and they got to get there quick. It helps that this team may not need to blitz. They might be so good along that front four, they'll get enough pressure to stay away from the blitz. And really, against some of these pass-happy Big 12 offenses, which there won't be as many now with – Cliff Kingsbury gone and some guys going more to more traditional run games. You got to be good at defensive tackle. You, those are the guys that can get there immediately. Trey Deshaun needs to have a big year, doesn't he? He does. And I think he will because he's got guys on the outside. He can't be doubled. Like you can't double him. I, mean, I think you're going to have to worry more on the outside on double teaming, you know, White Hubert and um, Reggie Walker. Reggie Walker and Kyle Ball and those guys. Um, those are the key guys, those guys on the outside. If they have can have big years and put pressure on the quarterback on one-on-ones, that's, then K-State doesn't have to blitz. Right. But if they're not getting pressure on the quarterback, then they're going to have to bring blitz. Then it's going to expose them to certain areas of the field. And so it's a kind of a, it's a game you play as a defensive coordinator, as a defensive player with the offense. you got to make sure you're doing it at the right time. You don't want to get caught. You don't want to give up the big plays. And that was that was whole – Coach Snyder's whole thing is he just didn't want to give up the big plays because the big plays are demoralizing for a defense. And these Big 12 teams, you know, not not as much maybe this year, but in the past, just score so fast. And like I always say, offense is your best defense. If K-State can control the ball, have those long drives like Coach Snyder used to have, then, yeah, K-State's defense is going to be okay. And that's the intention. That's what this offense is aimed to do. It'll look a little bit different, but the goals are essentially the same of what Coach Snyder wanted to do. Run the ball, control the clock, keep the opposing offense on the sideline, and physically wear down your opponent. And in some ways, oddly, this offense might be better equipped to do it than the previous offense. We saw it when North Dakota State visited Manhattan. Yep. Now let's turn our attention real quick here to special teams. When I when I talk to fans, they're curious about offense and defense and coaching and and the atmosphere and the pregame. They're worried about special teams. They have this notion that Coach Snyder always had a dedicated special teams coach, which he didn't no. until even after the start of 2.0 when Sean Snyder actually was named special teams coordinator. Before that, it was coaching by committee. Correct. And that's fairly common, maybe less common now that they have 10 assistant coaches. As a guy who played on a lot of special teams and made his name in some ways on special teams and the things you did, how worried are you about special teams? Well, special teams is the key. Right. It's In a place like K-State, it's always going to be a key, no matter what, because you're never going to have those dudes on offense. You're never going to have those dudes on defense. And so you've got to win special teams. And I know Kleiman probably – is going to emphasize that. But, you know, I don't know if they're working on it. Like, because with, with Coach Schneider, I mean, we would spend a lot of time on special teams. That's why our practices were probably two hours and 46 minutes, <laughs> to be exact, is because we spent so much time on special teams and we made it an emphasis. And for those walk on type guys, 
that's where you make your name for yourself. Right. And when you can get out there, you're only out there for 10, maybe 20 plays a game, if that. You should be able to go 100%. It's one-on-one. Just beat the guy in front of you, and you're going to be fine. And so special teams-wise, I, I mean, that that's what I'm going to watch besides, you know, like Skyler and his progressions and going through his progressions and reads and see where he's at, um, is how the special teams, is there still an emphasis on it? Are they still going to be successful on that? I think they will because the players, you know, it's only year one after Coach Schneider, and so it's they not, still have it's, that ingrained. It's still ingrained in their brain that it's important, and O'Climate's probably ingrained in even just like Coach Schneider did. So, but we'll see. But that, but that is a key for K State, no matter what year it is. If they have good special teams, win the special teams battles in most games, then they'll be in most games. If they lose a special teams battle in a game, it's going to be a tough road for them. That's Marcus Watts, our football analyst, and now we have a second football analyst, and we head down to Frisco, Texas, to talk to the man, the former offensive lineman, Brian Hanley. How you doing, How's it sir? Going? Good, good. It's uh, good to have you on. You'll join us every week, pre oh. and post game, so that'll be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait to do to get started with all this. It's going to be a great time. It's, just, it's football, man. Football is here. Oh, it's so good. And it, it feels <laughs> in Kansas, at least it feels like fall. I mean, it was hot today, 90, but I mean, it's been like 75, 80 degrees. And that's what it's supposed to be Saturday at the stadium. Ah, man, that's a relief because it's been 105 for like the last three weeks here. <laughs> well, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun and <laughs> it's going to be enjoyable to see new. I mean, just new music, new video entrance, new team entrance, all the stuff that comes with the new coach. It's different. Something in case you don't get to experience very often. Well, let's get into exactly. this game. Uh, Nichols is beaten a few teams. They beat Kansas last year. They know how to do it. My intriguing thing here is the mentality of being Chris Kleiman and going from the the guy that gets it done to the guy that's trying to prevent it happening to him. If you're Chris Kleiman, do you just throw it all at the wall in this game to make sure you don't become the victim of the FCS bug and get bit by it? Obviously, the last few years, K-State has needed basically heroic plays to save themselves from being the victim. And clearly, we were the victim against North Dakota State against Coach. So it's going to be one of those, I think they're going to they're gonna do a lot more than what we're used to. Uh, but I think that's a good thing because of so many new players that are coming that are going to be playing. We just got to throw things out there, and it is what it is. It's kind of what you said. Just throw it out there. Go win the game so you can play a lot of the guys. Right. That's that's huge. That It's not that they just want to get them experience, which is typical of any football program. They want to see them yes. outside of practice. They haven't seen them for themselves outside of practice and there's going to be a lot of young guys that want to run out there and some guys that haven't played much, even though they might be older. Let's get into this game a little bit. What I think you probably like the most about this new program is this. No fancy stuff, no spread, no no uh, high-tech offense, mumbo-jumbo. This is 1960s, well, maybe a little later than that, 1970s, <laughs> 80s football. Line yeah. up behind that offensive line and run the damn ball. 
Throw That's it right. to your running backs and tight ends. Control yes. the clock. Be physical and wear them into the ground. Exactly. I love it. Can't be more excited about it. Um, I know it's going to be a change and I know it's going to be different for everybody. And, you know, it seems like it's old time football, but you know, old time football is usually winning football. Yep. So I'm excited about it. I don't think they want to be branded like a, a big 10 team, you know, that, right. that is just flat out boring. And I don't right. think you can ever say North Dakota state was boring. They ran the quarterback. No. They did a little of this and that a lot of motion. They want to adjust things pre-snap so they can evaluate what the defense is actually doing. That's right. It's the whole thing's going to be different. And I think that'll be refreshing. Now there's, there's part of me, Brian, that wants the first play of the game to be a handoff right up the middle, just like every (laughs) game from Bill Snyder. Just, (laughs) I mean, you, you might just want to chuck it downfield to make a point, but I, I bet he wants to run the ball. Here's the thing though. This, if we're going to do the things that we want to do this year, we've got to be able to run the football against nickel state. So right. we just need to line up and just to be able to out physical them and just beat them. I'm not saying that that's what we have to do every single play, but well, I mean, this is a game that we have to go out and impose our will and go run the football and do all the things that we want to do offensively and defensively stop whatever they're trying to do those i mean if we're trying to go to where we're trying to go this is going to be a game it's going to be all about us well as i said defensively if you want to press coverage a little bit more on the outside with your corners if nickel state runs right by you runs right by your corners Dude, you got big problems the rest of the yeah, year. Yeah, we got a problem. That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, granted, I expect Nichols to have team speed, but it's not going to be Big 12 speed overall. It, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, if 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 we're going to have problems covering their guys one on one, then it's going to we're we've got bigger problems than what we think. Which I don't believe that that's going to happen though. I, I think. Every, this is going to be a game where everybody's going to be refreshed, just kind of not bagging on the old regime and coach in any way, shape, or form, but it, it's just a big excitement. The, the stadium is going to be full of excitement of this is fresh, this is new, and the guys are going to feed off of that. They're going to feed off of that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, when you played in 97 and 98, you had a pretty good quarterback back there. Uh, his name is Michael did. Bishop. Uh, and he could make anything look good. You know, yes. if you snap the ball over his head by 10 feet, he could go pick it up and end up with a, you know, 80-yard pass. Mike That's was right. just gifted. He was special. Skylar Thompson certainly isn't that gifted physically as Michael, who is. And right. And he's just got to get off to a good start. He's got to get into a rhythm, make some plays, not throw interceptions. He, I think this game just being really sound is vital for Skylar Thompson's mentality. Well, it is. It's going to be huge for his mentality because you've heard him say a couple of different things about what happened last year. You know, you, you've heard him come out and not necessarily say that the pressure is off, but almost like, hey, this is my job. Um, it was never really my, his job last year, and it feels like he's more at ease. Well, that's a good thing. So now it's time for him to take that next step because if we're going to go to where we're wanting to go, kind of what I mentioned earlier with different things, if we're going to go where we want to go, he's got to play well. He's, I mean, the quarterback in any offense is always going to be the catalyst. Uh, they're going to make things go, but especially 
especially in this offense, he's got to be the guy that gets us not only in the right place, but he's got to go make the plays. So he's got to get off to a great start. A great, and I think he will. I think he will. I think the, the not that the shackles weren't on him, but I think he feels, you know, and, you know, you got to remember we're dealing with 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Right. So when they feel that something is, you know, like his shackles are off, then he's going, they're going to play better. And I believe that that's what he's feeling right now, that, hey, I've been released, and now I'm going to go do my thing. I agree. I hope that's how it works out. I, you know, he, he seems to be, well, in, doesn't seem to be, in dealing with him, he's an entirely different young man. He's very yes. relaxed. He's very comfortable when he sat down with me for the power chat. Uh, he, he just, he, he knows who he is and knows who he wants to be on the football field. And, and that's good. Now he yeah. can't have bad things immediately happen to him. That's right. That's right. This is not going to be a game to where, uh, and I'm not trying to short side anything or and overlook anybody. But again, this is a game where we have to go impose our will. He's got to have good things happen right away and go make some plays, feel good about himself, and have that be a catalyst for the rest of the season. And not just him. Everybody needs to do that. But the quarterback is the most important guy. So he's got to yeah. be able to do that. If you're bad at quarterback, you're probably going to have some struggles. That's the most yes. impressive thing from Iowa State's perspective the last few years. They've had a lot of changes at quarterback. They've had injuries. They've had guys coming and going. And yet they maintained a pretty high level. That's really hard to do. That's, that's difficult. Yes. They need Skyler to be healthy and be good. And I think the team will follow that right along in his, his path he's blazing there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely think that he's going to be the catalyst. It's, I mean, it's kind of a thing to where, and I know every, we've kind of covered it and it's been covered and documented about it was never really anybody's job last year and it wasn't, but now it's his and now he's just got to go and take the thing, take us to where we want to go. Very good. You'll be like many other K-State fans around the country and you will have your ESPN plus big 12 now tuned yep. in on Saturday Absolutely. to watch Absolutely. this game. I will do post-game press conference with Coach Kleiman and the players and then book it right back to this seat I'm in right now in the WTC Gig Pirate Studios. Call you, and we will do a post-game podcast and throw it up on the website as soon as possible. I'm fired up. Absolutely. First, first time I've done a post-game podcast, and I'm excited, and I thank you so much for joining us. It's it's going to be really a fun season, I think. And we Absolutely. Will, we thank will, you, Tim. I appreciate it. You bet. We'll guide people all the way through the season here on the Powercat podcast. And now we bring in Kelly Stewart, a.k.a. Kelly in Vegas on social media. She starred in the Showtime series action. And you can find her at wagertalk.com. And if you need a gambling proxy service, look up Kelly in Vegas proxy service. And, oh, she's a K-State graduate and a longtime friend. Hey, are you ready for Becky and I to come out there for the basketball game? You know, I've had a lot of K-Staters tell me they were going to be out here for the basketball game. I'm really excited about it. Um, is my liver ready? Probably not. <laughs> I got good news for you, sister. I don't go at it quite the way I used to. I, I can try, but then I'm not real functional for a day or two. But the good news is I kind of rally in Vegas. The there you go. There is something about the, all the oxygen they yep. pump into the casinos I agree. to help you rally. Now we have these IV services. They just come to your room. I, I mean, I, it makes rallying a lot easier. 
It does. It does. Well, uh, let's talk about this K-State game as our in-house gambling expert, if you want to be called that. I looked at this line between K-State and Nichols, and we're recording this on Wednesday, so the line is as of then. It's a big line. I was stunned by it. Since we can't use the offshore numbers, I, I made a quick call over to the Westgate. My buddy John Murray that I just started a new podcast with, I said, hey, I need to know what this K-State Nichols line is going to be. And he said, it's going to be a big one, kid. Almost, almost 24 points. So probably 23 and a half will be the opener here in Las Vegas. But Wednesdays, the lines on the gains do not come out yet. So we'll find out tomorrow the true number. But plan on it being at least over three touchdowns. The problem is here is you have a Nichols team that I don't know what we're getting with, right? We know what they're capable of. We've seen them play some great moments. K-State has not ever favored well in the large favorite role against FCS schools. Let's just be real. We're calling a spade a spade. Um, Chris Kleiman can tell you that one with North Dakota State as a 21-and-a-half-point dog coming in and beating us outright in Manhattan, Kansas. So this does scare me a little bit, um, not rushing to bet this game in any form or fashion. I think as a K-State fan, I'm just going to have to catch the highlights because obviously it's not going to be on TV here in Vegas. But this is a game where I think we're going to get to see some things. We're going to get to see how the offense is going to flow. I think we're going to see if K-State gets up big, maybe some of the guys that maybe are on the second team right now that have a chance to make the first team. I think it's going to be a good thing for K-State fans to witness and answer all the question marks we have. Yeah. I have a ton of question marks about this K-State team. I have so many buddies going, yeah, but Kelly, over five and a half wins, over five and a half wins. And I'm going, man, there are a gauntlet of about four or five games there in the middle that I think K-State can go four and one with. But I also think they can go one and four. Right. And that's what scares me. So uh, as far as the Nichols game goes and the season win total goes, I'm just going to hang back and, uh, and watch. I don't understand how uh... – smart people like you establish lines but does a lot of that go out the window with a new coach particularly when you've had someone as regimented in how they do over a long period of time such as Bill Snyder now Chris Kleiman comes in and who knows he he might know very well you can't hold back against an FCS opponent and just kind of let it fly in this opener God, I hope so. I hope being a former FCS coach, that's exactly what he does. But you're right. We don't know what Kleiman's game plan is. And, you, and you're more privy to what he's actually going to do than I am, actually. Because why? You get to sit in all of his press conferences and he tells you what he's going to do. We have some coaches, as you mentioned, Bill Snyder, who tend to, for lack of better words, overlook some of these schools and don't have a good solid game plan on how to just absolutely demolish them right that's what i need i need it i need a coach you're right that's gonna go out there in the days like bill used to against the northern illinois yeah. and just absolutely keep your foot on the gas and win 76 to nothing that's what i expect k-state to do that's what i want k-state to do are they going to do it i'm not so sure and if i'm chris Kleiman. The last thing I want to do as the former FCS coach who had a reputation for beating Power 5 teams is to lose my first Power 5 game to an FCS team. That's a that's a bad look, and I would think he's not going to really hold back much and not run it up, but certainly not going to be as conservative as Bill Snyder. And that's the thing is, are we going to have a coach that runs it up? Are we going to have a talent yeah. Uh, talented set of kids that can run it up. That's the thing is, you know, everybody always wants to talk about the Alabamas of the world in, in terms of sports betting because Alabama for the for basically since I've been betting has been a very good first half play. Why? Because Saban does not call off the dogs till about the third quarter. Now we have third and fourth string guys coming in and 
you know, they're still playing against the first team on the other side. The teams have what we call a backdoor cover. Right. Uh, come in late, score a couple late touchdowns, and the guy holding the Alabama minus 35 and a half tickets wondering how he lost. So that those uh, those days are, are probably gone for K-State unless um, Kleiman really gets on the recruiting trail hard, which I hope he's going to do. And I, so far I've seen good things from him. Well, I'm not a gambler in, on sports, as you know, but I would not touch anything K-State plus three or more touchdowns. I just wouldn't feel good about that. Yeah, I think I, I think I laid 34 and a half the last KU game I went to. And the only reason why I did is because during basketball season, we get absolutely throttled at <laughs> Allen Fieldhouse. And I know that's one time that Bill doesn't mind running up the score. You know better than bet your heart over your head. Yeah, but Bill will beat KU by 45. He yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. Any other any other schools, we have seen him be too conservative. But there's something about playing KU that he's like, you know what? I owe it to this school because of the you know 25 point beat downs in Allen Fieldhouse. It's like it's like our revenge during football season. Well, he uh, Chris Kleiman better find out that's that's the game. You just don't lose that one. Ron Prince never figured that out. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a sensitive subject people keep bringing up to me. Oh, the last time Snyder <laughs> retired. Oh, the last time Snyder retired. And I'm going, okay, guys, uh, we're going to forget about those. I don't even know how many years. Was it three, four? Three. Three, yeah. They were bad. Yeah. And I just pretty much blacked them out because, well, I was living in Vegas at the time, too, so it made it easier. It's not a big sampling when you've got one example of what happens when Bill Snyder retires. So we'll see what happens with Chris Kleiman. Real quick before I let you go, anything else sticking out to you in the Big 12 or college football this weekend? You know, I'm looking at a couple of different spots here. Now, we mentioned um, teams that were in the underdog role that are now in the favorites role. Keep an eye on Iowa State this year. While I do like the Cyclones and I think Matt Campbell's a good coach, those underdog spots with that chip on their shoulder is going to be far and few between this year. 18 and a half with Northern Iowa is really interesting. Um, another thing that I have to, I have to, just because it's kind of, a, well, for <laughs> lack of better words, a knock on KU. So I saw this tweet this morning, and it reminded me of them losing to Nichols last year. Yep. Dating back to 2011, eight Power 5 teams that were either an underdog or favored by single digits over a non-FBS team lost Six of those teams lost outright, dating back to 2010-11. Three and eight against the spread. Mm. Two, not one, but two Big 12 teams this year fall in that category. First week, KU and West Virginia. I thought West Virginia was interesting. Yes, James Madison, great, great program. We know that they have the ability to beat teams. We've seen them play well over the years. And then, obviously, KU, Les Miles. Lots of question marks there. The line has come down from six and a half. I wanted to play it early. Uh, didn't get to it. It is four and a half. So I think Indiana State plus four and a half might be one of my more favorite plays of the weekend now. Very good. That is Kelly Stewart, Kelly in Vegas. And now we wrap up our tour of Go Powercat analysts with our, I don't know, you're our North Dakota State analyst. He comes from the great white north. He is Ross Uglum, and he covered Chris Kleiman and so many others in Fargo for many years. So he knows these guys. He knows the systems, and he's pretty darn familiar with K-State football because you also know Gene Taylor. So it's uh, it's been a good 
combination having you come on to the staff and help us out here, certainly in the transition. And you will be doing post-game film breakdowns for us, something we've never had at Go Cat, And I'm fired up to see you do it because that's your sweet spot. You do a lot of things good, but those film analysis, that's your sweet spot. You feel really comfortable with that, don't you? Yeah, I love it. It's something that got started uh, a while ago. Uh, it, it might not make sense to a lot of people because of where I'm from, but I actually got my start as a, a analyst for the Green Bay Packers, or not for them, but about them, for a number of sites and started doing film stuff because it was kind of my my passion and I wanted to learn more about the game. So I paid attention to other guys that were breaking down film and asked questions and you know wasn't afraid to look stupid and then when I started doing it for North Dakota State, it was like a revelation. Our fan base had never seen anything like it. Um, you know, they're getting basically professional football level analysis at, at the FCS level. So uh, everybody really appreciated it. And then, like you said, uh, for those folks that have been living under a rock, Gene Taylor was the athletics director at, here at North Dakota State for a number of years. Uh, I, I developed a rela- relationship with Gene. So, yeah, I've been... Uh, around the K-State program since Gene arrived, uh, yeah. but before, obviously, Chris arrived. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's get into this now. You have covered this North Dakota State program, and you certainly are very familiar with Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham and what they want to do on offense. Now, in some ways, from you know a high-altitude view, it looks a lot like Bill Snyder. The underpinning principles are the same physical run the ball control the clock no turnovers those type of things but they get about that in a different way don't they what what will fans see yeah so fans the things that to the before we get into the crazy crazy nerdy stuff the the basic things that the fans are going to see is a shift to uh playing football from under center are there going to be shotgun concepts in this offense? Absolutely. There, there, there are definitely going to be shotgun concepts in this offense, but uh, K state was completely uncomfortable under center in previous years. I remember, uh, you know, short goal line situations where you, they'd have Alex Barnes take a wildcat snap. Yeah. They were so uncomfortable uh, under shotguns so, or under center. So you're going to see a lot of those looks. You're going to see more effective play action looks because, Frankly, play action is more believable when the quarterback turns his back to the defense. And that's the kind of stuff that you're going to see. The other two positional differences that you're really going to notice are the way that the fullbacks and the tight ends are utilized. I did a really long and extensive piece uh, about Kansas State and the tight end position and just the difference in production between what Courtney and Chris did together at North Dakota state. And then what was going on at Kansas state, these guys were glorified third tackles yep. uh, and, and we're just not a part of the offense. They're going to have to block. Certainly that's going to continue on, but some of these play action uh, looks off of, off of those power outside G fakes are going to result in tight end releases that are really going to pick up a lot of yardage. And I think, maybe even reinvigorate that, uh, that, that room because those guys had to feel like they were pretty, pretty un, you know, nobody was really being grateful to them. Nobody, no. they, they didn't get to shine at all. No. And when they got an opportunity, it was almost as shocking to them as anyone else. And that didn't usually work out too well. And 
if you're never running the plays, it probably isn't going to work too well, and that's what it always looked like when, at least in Snyder 2.0. Snyder 1.0, they were under center. They did throw to the tight end. When he came back, things were much different. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, an offense that sticks with the principles of running the ball but yet stretches a defense because it will distribute the ball. But it's still based on a running game, isn't it? They want to run the ball, and they're not shy to do it by committee, which they will probably have to do in season one. Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, running the football is going to be a a key a key point in what they want to do. Even though, and it, it's it's kind of wild because you've got three consecutive quarterbacks now at, at North Dakota State that at least got a look in the NFL, and two that were drafted, and then those would, of course be the the most recent two in Easton stick who's now at the Los Angeles chargers and Carson Wentz who, you know, darn near won an MVP two seasons ago before he dealt with some injuries. So you wouldn't think that, that the squad that uh, is that obsessive about running the football would produce these professional level quarterbacks, but they do, they do it consistently. Um, but they're, they're going to definitely base, you know, what they are trying to do off of the run and then passes that look like they were running last year at North Dakota state, 670 rushing attempts and Easton stick through it 290 times, well over a two to one run to pass ratio. Now I want to caution people a little bit because that was a situation where NDSU averaged 41 and a half points. Yeah. They're ahead all the time. Right. And, And so I don't think K-State is going to average 29 more points than their opponents throughout this this schedule. If they do, that'll be good. Yeah. That's my... might be in line for an immediate extension. Yeah, that's my crackling analysis. If you outscore your opponents in the Big 12 by 29 points, you you have been successful. That's that's good. Uh, Defensively, uh, he was at North Dakota State, but then he went with Craig Bull. Um, He went to USC and then ended up at Wyoming. You know, Scotty Hazelton is an intriguing dude. He he looks like he's been out of central casting for defensive coordinators. This is what you should look like as a defensive coordinator. And people are excited to see what the defense is. They they did not enjoy recent variations of the Kansas State defense. K-State was known as an attacking physical. It was known defense. It was known as the lynch mob for years. And he's brought back what he's calling the mob mentality. And I think K-State's going to line up and attack. What can you tell us about this Scotty Hazelton brand of defense? Well, it's it, the, the good thing about the Hazelton switch in the short term is that he's not going to do a ton of, of, of different things roster-wise. The guys that they were recruiting to play in the 4-2-5 or, or, or 4-3 front that they were playing before. You can still play those body types in those positions. He's not going to switch to a 3-4. He's not going to go to the 3-3-5 the stack or the 3-3-5 Raider like a West Virginia was running to try and slow down the spreads in the in the Big 12. They're just going to run normal even front or, or 40 front stuff. So you don't have to move athletes all around. None of the kids that you recruited before – you know, are bad fits for the system. I think you're just going to see them work it in, in ways that make a little bit more sense. And the base coverage is going to be, and then this is something that, again, there is a, a piece on a go power cat now deep in the archives that sort of explains all this in long form, but 
the 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 basic concept is going to be a Tampa two. It's a defense that is still run throughout the NFL. Single high looks like cover one and cover three are becoming more popular, especially after the Legion boom in Seattle really popularized the cover three. But you know, Tampa two is 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 a call that's been popular since then, and and is still popular now. And it's based off of a Rondé Barber John Lynch defense in the late nineties and the early two thousands. This is a defense that's been around for twenty years allows the corners to keep their eye on the quarterback as, as, as they drop. You have to have safeties that, that can play, but it is a, a defense that's going to allow them to rally up, get in their run fits, stop the run, but not be embarrassed by the pass. And it's going to stress whoever they have play that Mike linebacker position has got to kind of get on his horse and cover the middle of the field. But as long as they've got a mic that they like and guys that can rush the passer without having to blitz, it's a very, very easy system to use. Well, I'm intrigued to see it. I'm intrigued to see the whole darn thing from the time I sit down in the press box to the time I leave the stadium. It's a new era of Kansas State football. And one more question before I let you go. K-Staters are hesitant. Bill Snyder is really all they know. And other than that, they know a guy who failed and really wasn't a good fit for Kansas State. Chris Kleiman, so far feels like the exactly right guy for this. You know him. He is the real deal. This is what he is. This isn't an act. This is Chris Kleiman. No, this is, it, it was a, it was the perfect hire. And I, uh, you know, I can't pretend to be unbiased, but I think it was a, a, a really smart move by, by Gene. And when I see and go down and, and take in everything that Manhattan is and everything that that Kansas state is, it's 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 a, there are so many similarities between North Dakota State and Kansas State. It, it's just truly unreal, and the type of of systems that you have to run uh, to win in the situations that both schools are in, the type of kids that you recruit. You're talking about Midwest, Upper Midwest kids, farm kids. I mean, there are just so many similarities between uh, NDSU athletics and K State athletics. K State is just on a bigger scale and, and uh, is, is obviously financially certainly a bigger windfall for, for coach, but from a fit perspective, this is just a guy who gets it. And he's got tremendous recruiting ties. NDSU was already in a bunch of key areas uh, for, for um, Kansas state. Now they've got a linebacker that's going to be drafted Jabril Cox out of Kansas city. That should have been, all big 12 last year, if anybody would have been paying attention, but he's been hitting Kansas city. He's been hitting Iowa. They're deep into Omaha. And these are just places he's going to be able to recruit successfully. And they're going to be able to kind of zig while everybody else zags. And I think that's the way that you've got to do it because until Kansas state really establishes themselves as, as a brand under Chris Kleiman, they're not going to win these recruiting battles head to head with Oklahoma or Texas. And so what they need to do is do something a little bit different and playing the four, three defense, running the football, doing, you know, play action looks off the run, controlling the clock. People are going to have to game plan for that. And then that's a huge deal. When you, it's almost like Georgia tech uh, in the ACC, you knew you had to stop everything you were doing and rethink when you had to play Georgia tech and no, Chris is not going to install the triple option. They're not going to, you know, be reading belly on the fullback, but 
this is a it is a different thing than Baylor, West Virginia, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. I mean, you're talking about. I think it's a ten or eleven team league now in, in the Big Twelve, which doesn't make any sense. But that's <laughs> that's something that they're going to have to figure out later. And you've got the vast majority all trying to run the same stuff and recruit, recruit the same kids. Everybody wants to run ten personnel. Everybody wants to run four wide, and they've all got to fight over the same kids. Well, Climate doesn't have to do that because Climate can run NDSU stuff at Kansas State and hopefully do it with you know bigger, more athletic kids. Very good. His name is Ross Uglum. He is one of our analysts here at GoPowerCat.com, and most of his stuff is VIP behind the paywall because he gets in deep. That piece you did, buddy, on the tight ends was eye-popping and the numbers and just the information. It really gave our subscribers some great insights into this offense and how important the tight end slash fullback will be. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Fitz, and I'm I haven't done, you know, I haven't done FBS before as far as, uh, you know, whipping through the tape the next morning and and seeing what I see. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, add Kansas State to my ever-growing workload. Very good. Thank you, Ross. And that wraps up our analyst portion of the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat pregame podcast. We will be back on the other side of this little pause with Chris Kleiman and my five keys. What are the keys to a Wildcat victory? It's next on the PowerCat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast as we begin to wrap this up. It's Kansas State versus Nichols, 6 p.m., Bill Snyder Family Stadium, on Saturday, at Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And now we take you to the man who knows the team the best. We caught up with Chris Kleiman at his Tuesday press conference, along with the rest of the media. And we start out with D. Scott Fritchen asking Coach a few questions, including what does he look for in leadership from his players? Well, I want guys that can uh, that can challenge uh, their peers and challenge their brothers. And, and uh, you know, sometimes they, they make the unpopular decision, but it's the one that's the right for, uh, for the team. And uh, it's the guys that uh, uh, I think, as I've seen through – whether it's years of coaching or just in this past year, I saw what some of these guys did from a leadership standpoint in the, in the winter when it was new for everybody to the spring when it was new for everybody through the summer and fall. Uh, that uh, uh, those guys, um, you know, they make everybody around them better. I look for servant leaders, which is somebody that, uh, you know, isn't worried about his statistics, so to speak. He's worried about making sure everybody around him is better, whether that's on the field, off the field. And I think we have some great captains this year. With Skyler, each of your last two quarterbacks each had a tremendous amount of success. How would you define a successful season for Skyler during his first season in your system? You know, just continuing to grow every game, I think that's the biggest thing is um, I've been really pleased with his progress he's made so far and in the, in the leaps he's made from spring to summer to summer to fall, uh, the amount of things he's able to process uh, in the classroom and taking that – 
in the classroom, out onto the field. And, and I just think every week he's going to feel more and more comfortable. And every week I think we're going to put more and more on his plate. Um, and uh, so I, I don't have anything statistically or anything. I just think him getting more and more comfortable on a week-to-week -week basis and, and him um, or us being allowed to add more things to his plate is going to determine his success. You spent a lot of years as the hunter of this kind of matchup with the FCS Power 5 matchup. How's it feel to be on the other side of this? I don't know because I've never been here before, but in the same respect, I know what those teams are going through, and I know that um, you prepare all summer, all fall camp for your opportunities to play an FBS opponent, and we talked about that with the team that uh, – um, this is a big opportunity for Nichols, but in the same respect, I think it's a really big opportunity for our players at Kansas State to um, put their best foot forward in, in what we hope to be a, a really successful season. And so I try not to get caught up into one game's any more important than another, but this is the game we're at, and, and I know we're going to get Nichols' best. And when you have a quarterback like they have with the amount of experience you're not going to rattle this guy. So you have to do a great job of uh, uh, showing different looks and being able to pressure and being able to play coverage and just uh, let the game flow uh, happen as it does. But we, by no means, are our guys going to overlook Nichols. Let's stay on that. What's Nichols present offensively as a total? Uh, a great quarterback, a, a guy that uh, I have a ton of respect for. I've watched him play. Uh, the last couple of years I've watched him play because we've played teams that they've played in the playoffs. And so he's got a great, great bunch of moxie. He's an athletic guy, um, not a very big guy, but he plays big. I mean, he runs the ball extremely well. He's, he throws it with accuracy. He just knows their system so well. And so I don't think, you know, the environment's going to be great. And we need our fans to be really loud, especially on third down. But this guy's seen an awful lot, and so um, we have to be really precise on our coverages and really precise on our looks um, because uh, I think he's seen an awful lot of football. Describe Nichols defensively. I think they're going to be uh, aggressive. Um, they're going to give you a lot of different pictures, a lot of different blitz looks. They're going to try to show you the same picture and then all of a sudden play coverage out of it. Next time, uh, pressure out of it. I, I like... Uh, a number of their returning players they have, whether it's secondary linebacker or D-line, they're very active. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't give up the explosive play, and that's something that uh, we have to find ways to find a few of those explosive plays. We, we, you know, we can methodically move the ball down the field. We believe we can, but we need to have some explosive plays as well. It's a K-State sports tradition. It's Fitz's Five Keys to Victory on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Now it's time for my Five Keys to Victory. The full pregame analysis of my keys is for VIP customers of Go PowerCat as premium content. But let's do a quick rundown right now. The Chris Kleiman era of K-State football is about to kick off. It's the Kansas State Wildcats versus the Nichols Colonels Saturday night at 6 at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. What is Kansas State's path to success in this game? Here are my keys to the game. Key number one, it's imperative that the coaches put junior quarterback Skylar Thompson in a position to be successful so he can lay a foundation for a confidence-filled 2019 season. Key number two, if this is going to be a physical running football team for the Wildcats, this offensive line cannot start slow as it has in recent years. Get mean, 
from the get-go. Key number three, K-State will face some advanced passing offenses in the Big 12, but Nichols quarterback Chase Forcade is a talented, experienced leader. If the K-State secondary struggles in this game, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Key number four, the back end of the defense cannot hold up without a stout front to take away the run and not let Forcade get comfortable. If the front four is the strength of this defense, show it. And key number five, don't screw up special teams. K-Staters take a lot of pride in this area of the game, so it'd be nice to show that special teams' excellence will continue. K-Staters know all too well that the days of FCS teams, particularly good ones like Nichols, being pushovers and automatic victories is long gone. Coach Kleiman knows this too because he's been on the other side of this equation at North Dakota State. Expect some imperfections throughout the game, but I still believe K-State will win. My prediction is K-State 31, Nichols 13. And remember, after the game, VIP customers will get my post-game grades, and we will have a podcast. The post-game podcast debuts as soon as we can record it and get it up on the site. It's me and former K-State offensive lineman Brian Hanley. And on Tuesday for VIP customers, it's the debut of The Sample with Josh Kinder, Travis Tannehill, Monty Spiller, and Jeff Hawkinson as they talk about the K-State-Nichols game. The Chris Kleiman era of Kansas State football is finally upon us. It's nearly game time, and there's no better place to enjoy the view than as a subscriber of Go Powercat. Grab 30% off an annual sub right now so you don't miss a moment of our award-winning coverage of your cats. I'm publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and the coverage and podcast do not stop at GPC. I will talk to you after the game. You've been listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.